1: Wait, what are we doing? I don't know.
0: Just listen.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What a do, what a do. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuning to the Up and Up podcast on the Up and Up Network. I'm your host Rubino.
0: And I'm DJ Earn, man.
1: What's up, man? What's going on? You sound a little more alive than yesterday. I ain't gonna front.
0: Hey, man, I was live. Yeah, it was a I Monday. I'll <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. be looking for your energy to start the show. I need it. you got to. You man. know I need it, bro. It's out here raining and stuff. You yeah. Gotta, man. You gotta turn it up a little bit. Yeah. You, know? you know what I'm
1: saying? But no, I'm feeling blessed. You know, I feel like I should just start every episode saying that, right? Yeah. Feeling blessed, feeling good. Um, for those of you tuning in, welcome to the show. As I stated, this is the Up and Up Podcast. This is the podcast where we're focused on cultivating culture. Yes, sir. right. We yep. do that by providing amazing stories of individuals, groups, movements, right? Mm-hmm. The hustlers, the shakers, yep. people who are breaking down barriers, right? Yep. Taking out, taking up space mm-hmm. in, uh, in places where we need to be taking up space, right? Yeah. And not only doing it for all of us who are currently here, but for the next generation, right? Yes, Put, putting it down right now. Um, I'm super excited. Definitely want to shout out the family members. Always. I think I forgot mm. to shout them out last episode. Mm. I ain't go to front. <laughs> So I'm going to give you all a major shout out right yeah, now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A shout out <laughs> to the family members, the consistent supporters, viewers, listeners. Uh, we appreciate y'all. And if this is your first time tuning in, and welcome to the family, right? Yep. Um, Man, you know how we rock, man. I'm excited to get things going. Um, You know, we always bring someone up here who has a compelling story to tell. I feel like everybody's story is unique. Their journey is unique. Um, and today's guest is a, is a brother who I would say is definitely walking on a path um, that evolves. that involves truly stepping in and stepping up um to make things better for the youth of today and the next generation he's definitely a true culture cultivator who's keeping everything he's doing on the up and up right um Mm -hmm. to go a little more in depth he you know he he has been making his mark and is currently going to continue making his mark in the space of education um as he serves on the city of seattle school board holding the title of president um across district seven alongside with leading as president he's also an educator himself you know just truly doing the work and when i say the work it's the work, for real. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's doing the work needed to be done to support and reshape the way our education system uh, needs to be elevated, right? Yeah. Not only elevated, but innovated, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, you know, whether it's narrowing opportunity gaps, advocating for young students of color um, who've been underserved for far too long. Um, you know, he's definitely using his platform and his influence to make the changes that are needed. Um, he's dialed in, and I think all of us should definitely hop on that call. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. without further ado, let's just get straight to him, man. Our guest is none other than the man with the plan himself, Brandon Hersey. Can we get him on? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. How you doing, brother? Hey, man, I'm blessed and highly favored, and I'm just happy to be here. How yeah. you
1: doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Good energy in the room.
2: Hey, perfect energy, man. Yeah. Perfect energy. It's yeah. a whole vibe in here. Come Ooh. on, man. Yeah, man.
1: It's good to have you, bro. Right. Um, I always say it's long overdue, but right on time. Indeed. Mm-hmm. You know Indeed. what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I don't know how familiar you are with the show, but we start every episode with the quote of the day. Ooh, let's go. Oh, see. Well, we excited. Okay, <laughs> hey, man. I'm excited. Okay, excited. okay. Excited. yeah. So, uh, quote of the day, obviously, um, for those who know, Brother Erm, yeah. he's yes, the sir. man of the quotes. Yes, what you got Be- for Before us? Before
0: I drop the quote, hey, you don't miss on the intros. so let me just okay. give you the flowers on that. Thank you, oh, bro. Okay. Thank You You know yeah. what I
1: say? Every great album needs a good intro. Yes, sir. Great Indeed. intro. So, yeah. I try to do my best, man. Yeah, Thank you, yeah. Appreciate
0: it. So, uh, the quote of the day is... The best preparation for tomorrow is doing your best today.
1: Mm. That's very direct. I like that, sir. Who uh, who's that quote by?
0: Uh, Horace Jackson Brown Jr. He was mm. a writer.
1: The best preparation for tomorrow
0: is doing your best today. It's doing your hey. best today. Love that. Love how you that. F- how you
1: feel about that one?
2: I mean, that one hits close because I'm a big proponent of. Uh, if you stay ready, you ain't gotta get ready. You mm. feel me? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I'm also an Eagle Scout, so the Boy Scout motto is "Be prepared," mm. and I am a contingency planner. I like to think through problems and whatnot. So, just being prepared and having your stuff together whenever you can, mm-hmm. you know, is super mm. important to me. So that mm. hits real mm. close to home. That's a good good choice for show. Good one. Yeah. Good one.
1: Um, so Brandon, man, like you know, like I said, this sh- this show, this platform is really about kind of. amplifying people's stories and journeys, right? But um, before we get into your journey, I am curious, um, you know, I mean, summer's not over, right? It's not over. (laughs) Like you said, August is one long Sunday, right? (laughs) Um, But with summer closely coming to a close and the school year right around the corner, like, currently, what's your energy and mindset like these days?
2: Hey, man, I think that, like... There's such a unique experience, um, like interacting with the school system as an adult, mm. because what a lot of folks don't talk about, though, a lot of people see public education from the perspective of like going to school. So I spent five years teaching in Federal Way, um, and I've been out of the classroom for two years now, and so I'm working in labor in a different capacity. But I've had a lot of time to reflect on like, what is it like? being in a school system and like being out of it, but still being in it. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of folks don't talk about is that a lot of teachers, especially for primary, when you spend all your time with the same kids every day, Mm -hmm. you go through like a little depression, like at the end of the school year, because I've essentially, I spend a ton of time with these kids, Mm -hmm. more waking hours than their parents during the year. You know what Mm -hmm, I'm saying? mm -hmm. And so when you take all those relationships and they just end right. Mm -hmm. And you've been building those over a year. It took me being out of that like tough cycle to actually look back and see, okay, what was my body doing? What was it trying to tell me? Mm. What was the shift? And now that I'm, like, kind of a little bit on the outside looking in, Mm. it's just, like, I can feel it in my body. So, like, I say all that to say if you have teachers in your lives, Mm. if you have people who are in the school system in your lives, just reach out to them, see how they're doing. Mm. Because especially coming off the last couple of years of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. everything that we've had going on in Seattle and nationally, you know, that cycle is uh, has only been, I would say, compounded of, like, all the complexity and range of emotions. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. that's how I'm going into it. I'm just trying to take care of the educators and the students around me as much as I can. So, you know,
1: that's what I'm on. Got it, bro. Yeah. That's a, that's a, actually, that's an interesting perspective yeah. you know, to uh, look at it from. And I think when we when we become adults, if you're not in the education space, you kind of, like, you're just so detached from it. Yep. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I'm glad that you were able to share that. Yeah, no, definitely, man.
0: Definitely, definitely. So uh, I just want to take it back, talk about your upbringing. Yeah, um, growing up, like, what was that like for you?
2: Oh man, so uh, I'm from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Okay. Um, so if y'all know where New Orleans is, it's about 90 minutes east. So like, if you're thinking about south, think a little bit more south, and that's where I'm from. Oh, okay. So I remember growing up. Um and i had a really quintessential childhood you know my dad had a good job my mom was a teacher my grandma was a teacher Mm -hmm. my sister is a principal uh was a principal at the high school where we went and where my mom taught and now just accepted like a head principal role at a middle school so Mm -hmm. she's still there um so education is like so many of my aunts and uncles are all up and through special education sports education um just down South education is kind of like the cornerstone yeah, of like what yeah. the experience is. Mm. And so for me growing up as a teacher's kid, uh, it was a cool experience. I had like a very quintessential nineties, like Sandlot childhood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, growing up in a place like Mississippi uh, with all of the things that come around being a black man growing up in the South, mm-hmm. especially a light skinned black man growing up mm-hmm. in the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I went through is I never developed an accent. And mm-hmm. so not only am I like <laughs> light skinned now. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I also don't sound like I'm from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I remember I would be going through the lunch line and the lunch ladies would be like, baby, where are you from? And I'd be like, I'm from I'm from here. So like, no, 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 no. Where are your people from? Woman here, like <laughs> I don't know what you want me to tell you. <laughs> well, I was born at Forest General. Wow, I know, right? And so, and a lot of that just came from like you know watching the stuff I like to watch on TV. Yeah. you know that's how a lot of us develop our vernacular. But growing up in that environment and having you know an educator for a parent, definitely looking back on it has informed a lot of how I show up in the world yeah, and what's yeah. important to me. You know, it
1: connects. Yeah, bro, connects for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah, because that's actually a common topic we do talk about with guests is mm. um how a lot of the things that we we were doing when we were kids or younger yeah um play a major role in who we were, who we're gonna absolutely become. we probably just don't know it at the time mm-hmm. so um if you could kind of take us through a little bit what that was like yeah. having those influence influences of educators in your life because i do feel like there is a flip side to that where you see like the kid who's whose dad is like mm-hmm. um an army general or whatever mm-hmm. and he's like, I don't wanna be that. So I'm gonna be everything mm. opposite of that. Mm. But in your case, it seems as though you were more like moved towards that. Like talk about yeah. going through that a little bit. Yeah, and it was I had a really roundabout path, right? So mm-hmm. like
2: was raised in Mississippi, um And so when I was 12, my mom passed away from this, like, rare form of cancer. Mm. I have two older sisters, as I talked about earlier, one still in Mississippi, the others in Atlanta. Um, And so for my developmental years, I was raised in a single black father household. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it was so wild because it's, like, in the education system in mississippi we talk a lot about specifically here in seattle the importance of having black teachers right yeah. and the impact that that has on students of color yeah or at least teachers that look like them in some capacity it was kind of weird for me to not have a black teacher growing yeah. up so mm. like that's a conversation that when i stepped in here it was like oh wow like the rest of the country don't really know what's going on out here like that you real know real what real i'm talk, saying real talk. the reason that it had such an impact on me is because like For a lot of my colleagues, not colleagues, for a lot of my brothers, a lot of my friends and stuff in Mississippi, Mm -hmm. like, losing a parent, that would have been game, you know? Mm -hmm. But because I had my dad, my family, support system, but more importantly, all the educators that knew my mama, Mm -hmm. that wrapped their arms around me and my dad, quite Mm -hmm. frankly, Mm -hmm. and made sure that I was still on top of my Mm game, you know, Mm -hmm. I was straight, right? And to this day, like, I still have, like, folks calling me about what an inspirational, like, impact my mom had on them mm-hmm. as a high schooler, right? And at mm-hmm. this time, I must have been, like, six or seven. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still calling me to this day, hit me up on Facebook, saying, like, your mama had such an impact on me, da 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 And it's like, you, I, I talk to my ancestors a lot, especially when I'm stressed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I try to think about, like, you know, if mm-hmm. my ancestors could do X, I can definitely do Y. Mm-hmm. You feel yeah. me? Yep. And, like, that is just a connection that I have with her and a connection that I have with community mm. that has, like, become really special to me. Um, and a lot of that is just that energy of caring for a community mm. and, like, that genuine deep care. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's like, for me, I've moved as far away from my community as yeah. I possibly could. Yeah, right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I knew that regardless of where we landed, my fiance is from the area, Um, I wanted to lean in. You know, heart open, full force, because community is what saved my life. Yeah. And it instilled in me a real drive and a real hunger to provide even just
1: a fraction of that experience for somebody else. Yeah. That makes is sense. Is incredibly, like, important to me. That makes sense. You yeah. know, you said something that stuck out to me, where um, having people who care. mm like, having mm. people who care, people mm. who are just, like, wrapping their arms around you. Because yeah. when I'm thinking about, like, the young youth who are lost or kind of, like, just need guidance, yep. a lot of it stems from neglect or just, like, really having nobody being on them exactly. at all. Like, exactly. giving them any attention. So, I think attention and having people actually care mm. is going to drive you towards where you want to go. You know what mm. I mean? So, mm. that's... I'm just glad you put that out there because I think that's an important message. Hey, man. It's, it's critical. Critical. Yeah, definitely.
0: definitely. So, um... I guess, what were, like, your interests, like, growing up? Like, what were you Yeah. Into? I mean, I was
2: into a lot of stuff, man. Like, <laughs> I was really, so I was an, an artist, right, um before I actually, like, started engaging with, like, more studious approaches, right? yeah I grew up in the area, uh, blah, blah, blah. I grew up in the era of tsunami Dragon Ball Z had just dropped, mm, so, yeah. like, I'm crushing loose-leaf paper, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just trying to get my pen right um but growing up my interests were like really like i like to build stuff i love legos i love that kind of shit oh excuse me (laughs) i love that kind of stuff Um, yeah yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. anything that like i can engage with creatively and like one of the things that you mentioned that i really want to come back to later uh is like the need to elevate and specifically innovate Mm. in education Mm -hmm. innovation we make it to out to be something that is just not right like if you look at the definition of innovation it's just connecting two things that weren't connected before Mm. right it's that simple and so as i look back on like things that i found interesting in my life it's been making connections whether that be through like plastic bricks or through people or through Mm. concepts Mm. for children in terms of math and reading right or even in a policy role now connecting community with like bureaucracy Mm -hmm. connecting like ideas with like action that's that's kind of what i've always been interested in you Mm. know Um, and that's led me to a lot of different places, you know what I'm saying? So I'm I'm excited to dive more into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: No, that's that's real. Well, speaking of diving into it, I definitely want to just kind of dive into um, the space of education yeah. currently, you know. And yeah, right. um, I actually did read in an interview that you did, um, and I quote: "You stated um, in the classroom, I have learned the profound effect that leadership and policy founded in equity." Can have on students and the students in our district need curriculum that reflects their culture identity and lived experiences come on now um it sounds very like straightforward when you hear it but i think there's a lot to unpack there yeah. um so from your perspective like like how do you see that as a challenge from your role and trying to like execute that in today's current education system because it's needed
2: it's critical man yeah. and i think that like one of the so i have a very unique perspective of being like from the south living here um i've spent some time working in dc as well and so i've seen a lot of different markets and like the ways that specifically black folks engage with systems and are oppressed by systems in those markets are also very different but they are also familiar at the same time and so what that means for me is that like When I'm thinking about the policy that I make for Seattle as one of seven, I know that that's going to influence policy that happens in King County, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of other districts that don't have the same support or might not necessarily live as in a progressive area as we do are facing some very real challenges that are very akin to what I would typically you know expect to find in mississippi right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so we really have to take the national conversation into account because a lot of liberal policy that we see implemented 15 dollars minimum wage so many other things that are becoming you know just now conversations that our people are having you know to the east of us all started here Mm. and so every decision that the school district makes that the city makes that the government makes blah, blah 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 has impacts that are far reaching beyond Seattle and beyond King County because of our influence. Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so when I'm having those conversations, I not only need to, you know, go hard for the kids in Seattle, but also understand the impacts that, you know, that brings for everybody else. Yeah. When right. we talk about culturally competent curriculum, we are having the exact Opposite conversation that they are currently having in Florida, where they are trying to you know, basically convince or reject the fact that uh, slavery was an oppressive system yeah. that tortured you know black folks yeah. and yeah. brown folks for 400 years, right? Yeah. yeah. Whereas the conversation that we're having here is like this curriculum does not go far enough in terms or far at all in any way shape or form in terms of honoring and celebrating the diversity of culture that we have specifically in the place part of the city where i live the Mm -hmm. south end Mm -hmm. where we're all on top of each other you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. yeah and so as we try to like thread that needle one of the things that i really appreciated about what you said is like it just sounds straightforward i think a lot of politicians like try to Implant jargon and, like, all of this, that, and the other in what they share in terms of their communication. Mm-hmm. And, like, because I know that the impact of what we say here in Seattle is so far-reaching, I try to make it as plain as possible. Yep. One yeah. of the biggest things I learned in the Obama administration was put everything as bluntly and as clearly as you can so that everybody has access to it, regardless mm. of where they might live, what their education level might yep. be, their background, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so I think that until, you know, we start looking and taking an opportunity to have these conversations more plainly we don't create as much access as we could for everybody and it's a missed opportunity
1: for yeah. us yeah yeah
0: yeah oh definitely yeah. yeah yeah no that's dope um i mean it goes back to you saying uh like connecting things yeah because man. it's like you know half of the time like we might read something and be like what does that mean right, right. like the, you know the fact that you kind of put it bluntly it's like okay you know it's kind of dope that yeah. Like yeah. a lot of people can have access to that and be like okay yep i could just yeah. This is my opinion on it. Or I like, appreciate like, you that know? man. Yeah. It's it's, con-
1: it's a considerate thing to do too. Cause mm-hmm. sometimes people use opportunities to like make things very complex to mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. show like it's kind of like a self serving thing. Yeah. Like let me let me show how much knowledge I have. So let me try to complex this as opposed to like mm-hmm. understanding man, I'm trying to serve, and if you're trying to serve. You got to know who you're talking to and how to communicate to them. So that's, that's good.
2: That's exactly it. And I think a big part of the what brought me to that understanding was my work in the classroom. Because it's like you have to ask yourself, like, what is your end goal? Is your end goal to market yourself or is your end goal to build understanding of something that's critical and important, right? Mm. And so from the perspective of a teacher, I if I get up and I just say X, Y, and Z and don't nobody understand me, what i'm wasting your time i'm wasting my time like the whole point of this is to like you said build access make sure that people can understand what's going on Mm -hmm. but more specifically just open this stuff up like and make it fun right and the and one of the things that we say when we teach is like when we're teaching kids how to read is like you need to find a book that's fun to read and that's easy to read and that you can do by yourself i want to provide a view into Educational government, whatever the you know proper yeah. term for this space might be, yeah. that's fun, easy to understand, yeah. and that like you can leave saying like, oh okay, I get what's
1: popping. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's like you got to create entry points. That's it, you know, yeah, and it's like much, however yeah. you get in, get in, and then you'll know whether or not you want to stay there and you want to explore it. But exactly. you want to get people in, um, just to kind of dive a little more into kind of just the work you do yeah. um, and on that level that you're at now. Um, we all know, everybody in this room can honestly say, like, change isn't a one man or woman show or job. Like, yeah. It's a collective effort. There's mm-hmm. a lot of collaboration that goes into it. Oh so God. from from your perspective, like, take us through what it's like to, to collaborate, communicate, and try to get on the same page with other decision makers. Because you're a decision maker, but there's also other decision mm-hmm. makers. Like, what is that like? Because I think the average person just may look at you and see the title of president and be like yo yeah. make something happen but like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, what is yeah. that like for that's
2: you? it man it, man bro school board is wild school board is absolutely <laughs> wild because it's like you know you you you're on the outside of it and you're looking at it's like oh school board is like where all the decisions get made that's not how it worked at all <laughs> yeah. and so like let me back up a little bit i think the first thing that i would say is that the people who at least I try to come into this role with in terms of making sure that their voices are heard are those in community. Like when I first got into the role, um, I got to be like 100 percent honest, like it was a lot. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. We I started around the same time as Grimai, mm-hmm. Um, And that was like four or five months before the pandemic hit. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was a, where school board is already a steep learning curve. Yeah. It wasn't because we were all learning. We didn't know what was going on. Right. Yeah. And so I knew that the only way that I was going to be able to be successful in this role was being as open and as transparent with community as possible. And what that meant for me is like, I'm going to just cut out the middleman. I'm not going to go to community and say, like, I'm going to be your representative. I'm going to just bring you with me. Right. Mm. Because it's like me not being from here and like. Let's be 100%, you know, I'm going to keep it a book. Yeah. Like, y'all know the legacy, black Seattle community. Mm -hmm. Like, there is a very strong theory of change. Mm -hmm. And I was a nobody that nobody asked for. Nobody Mm -hmm. sent. da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. And I took that very seriously in the sense to where it's like, okay, let me get out of the way. Mm. And let me try to be as open so that community can use me as a conduit. Yep. To achieve whatever the already existing theory of change was. Gotcha. That took a lot of like listening on my end. That mm-hmm. took a lot of like really trying to build understanding. And I'm still learning, right? Mm-hmm. And as we all mm-hmm. should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's critical there is that like my success is not only predicated by like everything that I bring to the role, exiting all of my hubris, but large part, if not more, to is I, at least, attribute to how community has accepted me Mm -hmm. and how community has, again, wrapped their arms around me, like Mm -hmm. my community did in Mississippi, Mm -hmm. uh, lovingly and sternly. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the same time, by building those relationships and building trust with one another, great things have been possible. We've been able to end isolation and restraint in the district. Mm -hmm. We have a student community workforce agreement. For example, uh, the new Rainier Beach High School that's being built. Now, if you are a uh, student of Seattle Public Schools or a parent of a Seattle Public Schools student or a community member, you get preferential treatment, not preferential treatment, but priority hiring on Mm. those projects. Mm. So like money that is going into those projects are going into the pockets of students and their families more Mm. directly. You know what I'm saying? And like, that's what I'm saying, Yeah, Yeah, Come on. And like, now we're in a position to where we are like completely overhauling the way that we do business. Because y'all know the Seattle School Board has been dysfunctional forever. And a lot of that has just been because we didn't have a framework in how we do our work. What is our job and what is the superintendent's job? So we've done a major overhaul on the way that we govern ourselves. So Mm. it's largely been because community has been very clear with what their demands are and what their expectations are. And I've been able to bring my policy expertise in uh, partnership with the six other directors that represent the city yeah. to really, you know, try to make, you know, whatever this is better for our students. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's really what we've been on in terms of, you know, how we're looking at the, not only the present and where we've been, but where we want to head. Yeah. So, no, yeah. Definitely. definitely, I yeah. like that, bro. Yeah.
0: Um, so I know Robbie, you were talking about this earlier, how, um, you know, once we kind of, grow out of being students we feel a little detached from the school system Mm. or or the education system and i guess just in in a whole so um i guess for the people that who don't really know like how do they really get their voices heard like do Mm -hmm. they have to show up to certain meetings do they you know what i mean
2: that's the best part so one of the biggest things that the school board gets uh feedback on mostly negative but you know feedback is that we don't do community engagement well, mm-hmm. right? And community engagement is a hard thing to do, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not just holding a meeting at an elementary school yeah. and saying, like, oh, here's a PowerPoint, da-da-da-da. It's actually having two-way communication, right? Because what a lot of folks will think is, like, oh, like, you can come to public comment, because that's what most people would tell you off rip yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, you can go sign up at this website and come have your two minutes. Yeah. That's not That's not engagement. That's, that's one-way communication. That's somebody talking at me. Mm, right or even if i post a video like that is also one way engagement right that's Mm -hmm. me talking at you there's not like a real real time feedback loop opportunity and so one of the things we are actually just stood up a a complete committee of the board uh three board members myself leading the committee and a couple of others really tackling like how does the board want to do community engagement Mm -hmm. right we've we've attributed a huge number of hours to this And so what we've come up with is we started to backward plan and like we now have a year long calendar that shows like, what is everything that's coming up that you need to care about either as a board member, as a community member, as a staff person, Mm, right? mm. All that information for the first time ever is in one place Mm. and that will be available to the public. So anybody who's like, you know, nervous about something or wants to get more information, they can know exactly when the opportunities will be. And We're scheduling community engagement sessions where we are more so in a two-way communication proactively instead of being in a reactive sense where something like, oh, no, terrible X thing has happened at my school. I need to get this fixed. The board's voting on it like in a week. I'm going to get 20 people and show up, and we're going to try to get this changed. That is a waste of taxpayer money. If we are in a position to where a board's mind can be changed – After years have been put into a specific topic or initiative with a couple of wealthy parents at a school board meeting, that is a problem. That's Mm -hmm. a huge problem. But that is a problem that only exists because for decades, the school district has done an ass job of actually following up with people. Mm. So you're in a catch 22 that the only real solution from my vantage point is to stop being reactive and start being proactive yeah if i do right. all that i can to work with as many community groups and stakeholders that align not only with you know our strategic plan but like my district my values all that kind of stuff then i really do genuinely think we'll cut down on a lot of like the spiciness that we see all the time yeah and i think that that will trickle down to the board i think that that will trickle down from the boardroom to the classroom Got which you. is super critical yeah which yeah. is the
1: ultimate goal absolutely I mean, you know it's <laughs> absolutely like everything is Everything going on yep. is to f- serve the students. Has right? to yeah. be. You Has know? to be. And um and so, and thank you for breaking that down the way you did. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that's, that's going to be very beneficial for um, community members, parents, right? Just I hope so. Of those of us who need to know. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, though, like, and I think this is an obvious thing, but I was even doing like some research on it just to kind of learn, but like yeah. when funding, right? Like lack oh, of proper man. funding oh, man. for... Underserved mm-hmm. schools, and we know what underserved means, but yep. you get what I'm saying. Like, yep. can you take us through, like, what are some of the biggest obstacles that block said funding from making it to the schools that yeah. you know and we all know need it most? Obviously, it's very deeply rooted, right? Mm-hmm. And if you want to go as far back as decades and decades ago, we know kind of how things are structurally set up. But, yeah, um, how would you kind of, I, I guess, uh, describe that? All right,
2: field. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. I'm a Take a little second. So Mm -hmm. there are, in my opinion, two frames of thought here. And Washington is really unique because Washington spends a ton of money on education. Mm -hmm. Ever since uh, the lawsuit, the McCleary lawsuit, where it has been upheld that public education and access to a free and appropriate public education is Washington's paramount duty, K-12 education makes up about 50% of our budget Mm. in the state. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that 50% does not get the outcomes that we deserve for students. We rank like in the low forties in terms of educational outcomes. Wow. So we're spending the most, right. But our outcomes don't match the amount that we're spending. So something's broken. And it's one of those situations where we've built this system up so big that like, you know, at a certain point, it's just like, all right, we are just gonna slap another, you know, layer of paint on there. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so they're both things. Many things can be true at the same time. If that's the bit, if there is one lesson that I have learned school board it's that many things can be true at the same time and some of those things often compete but the world and the universe is crazy and you just got to figure out those problems Mm. so what i mean by that is yes education is underfunded and underserved in many ways at the same time we spend a ton of money on education in really poor ways Mm. right because we don't have the outcomes that match and the reason for that is the way that we Education is literally like, oh, you have 10,000 students, you get $30 million. If you have 5,000 students, you get $15 million. Mm. It's literally children in chairs. The reason that that's messed up and why we are in like a budget crisis right now at Seattle Public Schools and a lot of districts, almost all districts across the country are feeling the same pain, is that that. Really necessitates the fact that you have the same amount of children that are coming into the system year over year over year. Mm. And what we know as millennials is that we can barely afford to feed ourselves half the time, Mm. let alone a third or fourth or fifth human being. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you. In Seattle, there are 770,000 people in Seattle proper, right? Mm -hmm. Out of that, there are about 360, give or take, thousand households. Guess how many of those households
1: have children? 40%? 50%?
0: I would probably say like 60.
2: You think 60%? So 40 or 50% of that, half of 360 would be like 18,000, 180,000. Yeah. Yeah. It's half that. Only 64,000 households in Seattle Public Schools or in the Seattle city have children in them. Wow. Wow. Our median age is 35. And so we have a lot of folks who are accessing a really big portion of our city's resources Mm -hmm. are a lot of all this kind of stuff and how we balance the opinions of folks um who interact with our system Mm -hmm. and how we build uh kind of an engagement model so to say with our community has to be different because it's like we're not just communicating with parents and families we have to be communicating with the entire city right yeah so when we're talking about funding, and most of our folks being millennials, the reason that we have to get those folks engaged is because if we're not having children, we're seeing that there is a decline in the birth rate. Yeah, for sure. Right? Definitely. Mm-hmm. And so now we've got an entire system that's been built on in a certain amount of students, and those students w- are just not being born. Mm. And so there's less wow. kids matriculating into the system. Yeah. And so in order to right-size that means that we have to make cuts, you know? Wow. And so that's why the way that we fund schools by a per-pupil model is so broken mm. because it depends on there being a consistent amount of students coming into the system on an annual basis. Wow. And the economic crisis that we're in has, has really changed that in a significant way.
1: Wow. So you don't, the average person yeah. doesn't think that's things great. are connected, but everything's interconnected has to be. Yeah, man. Everything's interconnected. It is. And when you break it down like that, it it makes sense why everybody should care. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, man. You know what I mean? Whether you have kids or not. Exactly. Whether you you have kids or not. Yeah.
2: And and really, it's like, I I do think people genuinely care. It's just that we as a system, Seattle Public Schools, don't know how to communicate with folks who are 35, Mm -hmm. right? We communicate with children. And then we communicate with parents. And there's yeah. a big middle. The vast majority of our city is in the middle. And we're not talking to those
0: people at all. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think I think it, it got to be a, I mean, based, based on what you're telling us, I feel like it has to be proactive from the community as well. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't wait till I have kids to try to make an impact <laughs> on the education system. You know? Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. We need folks, volunteers, teachers. Like, we need people just to. Come engage with us. See what's popping. See what's going on. Let us figure out how we can work together on stuff, you know? (laughs) And that's really what I think the heart of a lot of our leaderships are at this point is, like, how do we get folks engaged that might not necessarily directly uh, engage with the system on a day-to-day basis?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, know, um, this is an amazing conversation. And I think um, because I think there's a lot of people who matter in these situations. So obviously students matter. Yep. Um. I do kind of want to touch on teachers, right? Yo. Oh my um, god. Yes. So it's funny. Uh. Shout out my boy Khalil. Yeah. He's, uh, he's out there okay. in Atlanta. He's <laughs> okay. a te- he's a okay. teacher. I texted Khalil. him. I was like, yo. yo, I'm about to have the school board president. I need I need to know from a teacher's perspective, like what yo. what matters to you. So he sent me some stuff that he wanted to kind of just touch on, and Ooh, it let's was. Go. Um, Yo, thank
2: you, Khalil. If you're yeah, watching, thank yeah. you for being a teacher, bro. Yeah, yeah, Seriously. for sure. For sure. My nephew out. goes to school in Atlanta Public Schools. So Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. So um he really just wanted to touch on kind of adequate resources for teachers yeah. to run their classrooms. Um yeah. some of the things he talked talked about was how some teachers have to break their own pockets and make sacrifices to, to make things happen. And obviously me being a student at one point, I didn't you I would never have thought. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought they were good. Like mm-hmm. I thought they had, every, you know, you <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Another thing he also said was like, yeah. so often teachers have to be everything right, for man. their students, Come whether on it be men- it. mental health, mm-hmm. serv- uh, providing mm-hmm. mental health guidance and things of that nature. So like, um, let's just talk about teachers and how we can support them. And I think you can definitely share that with people.
2: Yeah, man. And so like, There are so many ways, and this is one of the things um, that I mean by, like, engaging people in community who might not necessarily have kids in this because teachers need to be taken care of, right? And I'm in a really tough spot because I am a teacher. I'm also a policymaker, and so, like, that puts me in a really challenging position because, again, many things can be true. Mm -hmm. Do I want to pay teachers as much as possible? Yes. Do we have the money to do that? No, Mm -hmm. Right. I'm going to make that choice and like take it on to me to like, you know, try to figure out how do we thread that needle down the line. Mm -hmm. That's not an ideal means of governing. Right. But we're in a crisis and when you're in crisis, you got to do what you got to do to protect your people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so all that being said, I think one of the things that I was thankful for, and this is by no means enough, but it's just one example of like how folks could engage with this idea of like how to support teachers is before, um, when I started teaching in federal way, mm. uh, we had an agreement where like we could get reimbursed for like a couple hundred bucks of like classroom supplies. All right, cool. And you can also get like a refund on your taxes. Duh, 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 duh. Cool. You know what I'm mm-hmm, saying? Mm-hmm. But that, that's like 400 bucks where anywhere, you know, a teacher could be spending from five, six, 700 $1,000 on mm-hmm. their classroom mm-hmm. because we're going to make ends meet. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And it goes back to what I was talking about at the top of the podcast. It's like, these aren't just my students. Yep. These are like, my kids you know what i'm saying that's why so many of us say like these are my kids right right? yeah and it's like we understand the boundaries and things like that but when you spend six and a half hours a day like if i know that like you know jay doesn't have any pencils yeah i'm jay is not gonna not have pencils you know what i'm saying whether the district is gonna provide it or not if i know that Susie over here don't have enough to eat at lunch or like doesn't eat the food at lunch because it's not healthy or like you know they might have a specific diet Susie is not gonna not eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. there are just so many things. And I think this really bleeds into the other part of the conversation of so many hats that we wear. Yeah. You know, that was one of the things that really led me to quite frankly burn out on education Mm. because you know for the five years that I was in teaching in Federal Way I was the only black man in my building Mm. serving 540 mostly black and brown students who used to be Seattle residents who Mm. got priced out into Federal Way to the Part 16 apartments if you wanna keep it a buck Mm -hmm. because those are affordable, right? Mm -hmm. And so the school that I taught at went from being 180 white kids to like 450 black kids Mm. over the course of a summer and grew to 540 kids by the time I left. You know what I'm saying? And you can imagine that happening in a year, me being the first black teacher there. I went around my first year, asked, you know, are y'all excited for Black History Month? Me being geeked, thinking like, you know, we're going to get in. They looked at me like I was crazy. (laughs) They ain't never heard of it before. (laughs) And so, like, when we're talking about how do we support teachers, all the hats that we wear, for me in my classroom, I was like therapist, like bank account, Mm -hmm. like, you know, parent sometimes in, Mm -hmm. in many respects in collaboration with their biological parents you know what i'm saying and that was the type of community that we built and because their parents knew that i had their kids back fully that like we could get to a place to where we had a familial relationship yeah i could be honest with them about like you know how things are going in the classroom and that built trust for them to know that like i'm going to get their kid to where they need to be or as far as i could get them by the end of the year Mm. that's exhausting That's Mm -hmm. working three, four, six, seven jobs as one person. You know what I'm saying? And every year is different. Put that on top of trying to figure out how to do that at home.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? This is just at work. This is just at work. This is just at work. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm
2: saying. And then the pandemic hits. And then, like, it just spirals from there. And so that's why I have such an affinity and, like, why I'm trying to check on my teacher friends a little bit more because there are folks who had been doing that for five, ten, twenty years before that, lived through that, and are still trucking. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Check on your friends, yeah, check on your teachers in your life, man. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You just, just gotta take care of our educators, man. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot, yeah, it's a
2: lot, right? Empathy, man. Mm-hmm. Empathy, empathy, the word of the month for me. On, that's the, the that's my word right there, man.
0: Empathy, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that is man. it, definitely. Yeah. Mm. Man, I mean. I mean, I was kind of seeing it like on social media with yeah. teachers had to take like extra jobs on top of all that you just explained. You know? Oh yeah, man. Like, I'm like, man, like, how do? How? It, it's kind of weird. You just sit there and you're just like, yeah. I can't believe this is happening. Or like somebody's yeah. letting this happen that could have the means to kind of like support these teachers and support the whole system. You know what I mean? So,
2: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And we pay teachers like decently well in Washington. It's nowhere near enough. Yeah. But like even for me starting out, right? And this was before we had some epic pay raises over the course of the past like few years, specifically in federal way. Mm -hmm. When I first started teaching, I was making probably forty eight thousand dollars a year. And that was taking a pay cut from my job with the Obama administration in DC. Mm -hmm. I was still making more than my sister who had who was a teacher had nine years of experience, two master's degree and a specialist degree Mm. making you know, less than $48,000 a year in Mississippi. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so when we're thinking about like, you know, all of the hats that folks wear, all of the responsibilities that they have and like how w- even we in Seattle are still not where we need to be. It just begs the question. It's like, at some point, just like this economic crisis, some got to
1: give, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. We
2: can't continue to keep using people.
1: Yeah. Like this. I, I think, um, I think this is a great conversation because it's it's, um, providing insight to just how connected everything is. yeah, Right. Like one of yep. my favorite shows is The Wire. I'm sure Ooh, you all know, seen on. it. Season yeah. three. And, man, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like I remember watching it and uh, every season it was just like a new season. And then it it started to hit me. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, they're kind of trying to paint a picture of how everything is connected. Yeah. You yeah, just man. you just don't know. Right. So um I say that to say like I do think there's there's opportunities to oh, innovate education to where some of us in the community who have um the the ability and the capacity to be a third party resource um for teachers or for the school system i think it's a lot of collaboration needs to happen and um there's there's many ways we can do it absolutely i just think that that's an that's an avenue that we can definitely try to go down absolutely for sure absolutely um, now um. now do oh, you want to say something yeah, I just because
0: yeah, yeah. we're on the subject of, like, teachers, but I kind of wanted to ask, like, a more technical question. Yeah, like please. For, for aspiring teachers, like, yeah. if they need advice on, like, because, I mean, I thought about it, and I'm like, yeah. this must be incredibly tough, but, like, what would be, like, your advice on how to build out, like, a curriculum for a whole school year? Woo! You know what I mean? Man, absolutely. Yeah, so
2: <laughs> I would love to get into that. That's a conversation in and of itself. But I think the best thing, and this is, like, you know, advice that anybody could use is just backward planning, right? Like think about sit down and envision what do you want your student to in the school year with, right? You know, what are the competencies you want them to have? What do you want them to believe about themselves? What do you want them to know about their history X, Y, or Z? And then you look at, okay, in order for them to leave the year with these skills, I need to do this. But before that I need to do this. And before that I need to do this. Yeah. And keep that in reason, do a perfect map for yourself and then pair that down and work backward and actually think about like, okay, for me to get them here by day one, by day 10, 100, 200, Mm -hmm. 180, what do I need to do to get them there? Yeah. And that's a very like high level answer. And we could like definitely drill down into the more technical expertise pieces of it. Right. But at the essence of it, you have to begin with the end in mind. And really that end point is gonna be so different for each child that like just teaching to the middle and building a curriculum, yeah, anybody can do that. But like what you really wanna be able to do is understand not necessarily the curriculum, but how a child develops and where each kid is at because you'll build the understanding of the curriculum that's technical expertise. But where the real magic in teaching is, is being able to take this technical expertise Mm -hmm. and augmenting it for 20 different kids at 20 different places all at the same time. Right. Mm. So that's where I would just recommend is like get to know a bunch of different kids, like do your uh, teacher training programs or whatnot, understand like child development and then layer in that curriculum in for whatever their needs might be. And that'll get you way farther than I think a lot of people would appreciate.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am curious, what are your thoughts? And if you guys probably yeah. haven't already been thinking about it or planning on it yep. of creating, um, cause part of what my boy Khalil was talking about where you said you have to be everything. One thing that stuck out to me was like, you have yeah. to be a therapist for the kids yeah. alongside everything else that you're doing. Um, what does it look like to kind of, and from current day like what does it look like to support like students when it comes to mental health right oh, now? Oh yeah, man. How does how does like how can we do that in a, I guess, mm. practical efficient way to mm. where they at least have resources?
2: Absolutely, I think like because here's the 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 man here's the wild part about it what do we mean when we say mental health? Mm. Like, what do we mean by that? Because like my fiance is a psychiatrist. Mm. She is finishing up medical school. She is like, you know, expertly trained in the topic of mental health. And I think we do ourselves a vast disservice. It's the same reason why like I get so frustrated when I hear the word equity nowadays, Mm. you know what I'm saying? I think that's been the most perverted word in the English language in the past, like five, 10 years. Mm. I think mental health is becoming that way too, Mm. because is just in a lot of ways like people of color. That mm-hmm. term
0: mm-hmm. that
2: doesn't do anything but serve the oppressor and make it easier for them mm. to lump us all together. Yeah. And so when we say mental health yeah. and lump it all together, yeah. we escape the responsibility of actually addressing it because what you might be talking about is I need more therapists, I need more counselors. Mm-hmm. I can put all the therapists and counselors in the building as possible, but Mm. if they don't have cultural competencies, Mm. if they don't have the training that's necessary for that specific student population, that could very well do more harm, right? Mm. The presence of a person does not necessarily always lead to beneficial outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I actually have evidence from my own personal experience, given that it's anecdotal, that having nobody in yeah. some of these cases would have been better yeah. than having the person that we
1: did serving in this role. You that know makes, what I'm that saying? Makes, that makes total sense. Wow. Well, the fact that you brought that up is yep. interesting because yep. um, we, so one thing that we actually have within our platform um, mm-hmm. as an extended branch is we created a workshop back in 2019, which we consistently still do yeah. called the world is yours. Um, and it's a collaborative informative workshop where it was initially for adults yeah. in the community where we get creatives, entrepreneurs, professionals, get them in a the room, and they get to express and have uh, dialogue yeah. across industries and find mutual solutions around the obstacles they're all facing. So we took this same model, and we tried it with the youth. We tried it at different high schools, and it was just like you could see the effect it had on them yep. to just get a different resource. Like, like you said, sometimes it's not just bringing a therapist to come right. talk to them. It's like yo, bringing a third-party that can serve their mental health in a different way. Maybe like getting them excited about things or maybe pouring into them or empowering them to speak life into the dreams and stuff that they wanna work on or they already are working on. So I just say that to say, I'm glad you brought up the fact that it's not like a a monolith approach. It's like you can, mental health can be addressed in so many different ways. And I think that's a conversation that needs to be had for sure. Absolutely.
2: And I think a big answer to that is like, how do we break down the barrier? And like going to your point about it all being interconnected, Mm -hmm. we need a single payer healthcare system. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like, how do we break down the barriers? Because like student mental health is so wide. One person could be experiencing anxiety and depression, mental health issue. Another person could be experiencing undiagnosed ADHD, mental health issue. Mm -hmm. The support that we would give this person cannot be the same support that we give this person Mm -hmm. so really what the answer is there is like how do we have a healthcare system where everybody has access and you can just get what you
1: need yeah you know what i'm saying
2: and by us having this conversation and like only like thinking that the solution is to provide what we understand at a surface level of like what benefits mental health. Okay, counselors, yes, sure, one hundred percent agree. When mm-hmm. done really well, counseling is great.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: However, what would be better is if we put our energy and efficacy into actually getting a healthcare system that benefits everybody, but especially children, mm. and especially black and brown children. Yeah. And those who are furthest away from economic and e- educational justice. Yeah. Right. And build that system in their interest. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's real. That's real. Well,
0: yep. Yeah. So um Kind of want to ask a more personal question, yeah. As far as like how, what was the path you took to become the president of the school <laughs> school board? You know what I mean. Like, what was that whole process?
2: <laughs> yeah, that, so that's wild. Um, it, it, it's an interesting process. So there's only seven of us, and mm. so we we essentially decide. You know, after uh, the elections happen every other year, so it's like a two year cycle before we have like a brand new board. Um, but our appointments are four you decide who's going to be the president. And it's, you know, there are lots of different people bring lots of different things to the role, right? Yeah. And so thinking about, I I got the opportunity in my three years as president to see, or rather in my three years on the board before stepping into the presidency, uh, actually, how long was I on the board? Eh, we'll figure out the numbers later i got to see three different presidents operate mm-hmm. learned good things and bad things from all of them you know we're all human and i'm yeah. sure that future presidents will learn good things and bad things about me um but what i wanted to bring to this role and how i ascended here was a bringing community along yeah mm-hmm. right b keeping in a buck mm-hmm. as much as i could yeah. right yeah and then c like it's got to make sense. Like, policy has to make sense. Like, we have to be able to justify what we are doing and how we are utilizing community resources is actually getting outcomes for children. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the leadership that I brought with all of the accomplishments and, like, you know, advancements that I mentioned earlier, but also, like, from the perspective of having a vision for where we want to go, I, I just really am thankful that you know being the youngest president to ever serve on the board Mm -hmm. especially being the youngest black man to serve as president on on the board you know and to be the only man serving on my board Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i take that super serious in terms of like i want to make sure that i am empowering all of these incredibly intelligent women Mm -hmm. who have children in this system Mm -hmm. to lead and that I am also not bringing all of the privilege that comes along with the biology that I was given at birth. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Especially I as a young man. Yeah, I And so that. that's given me a really narrow tightrope to walk. And I feel as though I've done it effectively, you know, and I, like I said, I'm always in the mindset of continuous improvement, mm-hmm. but the, the pathway to get here has just been one of like building trust and relationships and like just showing people that like, no, like, I'm not in this for Ascension. Like, I'm not looking for any other gig. Like, I just really want to be a good school board director because my mom and my daddy taught me that, like, community is important. You're supposed to give back. And I have a skill set and expertise that not a whole lot of folks in my community have, right? There was only one teacher on the board before I got on, and she was the one stepping down that I stepped into her place, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. All respect to my mentor and the giant that came before me, Mm -hmm. uh, former school board president Betty Patu. Mm -hmm. Learned a lot from her and her family, watching how they move and operate in the community. Um, and having an educator's perspective on the board yeah. that aligns with our strategic plan, you know, there, a lot of things just made sense. And yeah. I think the outcomes that we're seeing now, the fruits that we're harvesting are, are just proof that, you know, when you put community in the driver's seat and you listen, great yeah. things are possible.
1: Yeah, bro. And salute to you for stepping, like I said in the intro, stepping in and stepping up because, again, I just think there's a conversation also needs to be had about the generation such as ours that is coming and it's here now. Indeed. And it's important that we step into different spaces that was once yes. held by generations before us. Yes. Whether it be, you know, us in the media space, my brother here in the real estate space, mm-hmm. um, you know, people in the music space, whatever space you're in, understand like, yo, somebody got to step up. And yes. and you may not have it all figured out, mm-hmm. but you got to have the bravery and the courage to know like, yo, someone got to do it. And it should be right. more than one person doing it. Right, You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. Salute to you for first and foremost, just for, Amen. you know. Answering the call, you know what I mean. Appreciate it, bro. Um, now, um, man, this has been a very, very uh, uplifting, insightful conversation. I'm bro. glad. I'm a glad. lot, a lot of Definitely. gems, a lot of gems, bro. Definitely. And um, but I am curious, kind of on a personal, yeah. personal level, um, for you with all that you got going on, yeah. Um, man. Like, how do you balance kind of, like, self-care and the work-life balance? Um, Like, what does that look like for you? I think it's different for everybody. We were just talking about vacations before the show started, but, like, what works for you? What works for Brandon
2: Hersey? Hey, what works for me? I mean, honestly, it's like being in love with a psychiatrist helps a mm. lot <laughs> whose mm. daddy is a therapist. So, mm. you know, I get I get free mental health support in my crib, mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> which is critical for a role like this. Right. But yeah. I mean, I think that what really fills me up is I'm an extrovert through and through like people conversating with people, getting to know people, like maintaining deep relationships with my friends and community that's what really gives me life and keeps me going. Mm -hmm. Um, And whether it just be, you know, we're talking about, you know, space, aliens, Dragon Ball Z, whatever the case may be, Mm -hmm. you know, just though being in a space to where my relationships are generative is really important to me. And that's Mm -hmm. what like gives me a lot of like, that's how I care for myself. The other thing is that like, I am very unapologetic about my time. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I will give in folks who are, you know, who have, interacted with me um who might be listening to this know like through the week i'm gonna pick up the phone 10 p.m hey what's up you know what's popping what do you need what's going down but when i say that like i'm taking time for me mm-hmm. i got to man because it's like i'm such a workaholic that like i'll run myself into the ground we were in cancun and i had a work call come in and i was like about to go get on the jet ski and i was like oh dang i gotta go take this And my, my fiance actually looked at me sideways it's like are you <laughs> I'm on the beach and my Apple watch is buzzing. It's like, oh, I gotta go take this. <laughs> but that's it, man. It's just like yeah. being really, you know, taking care of yourself, knowing yeah. what your boundaries are. But the way that I justify that is that like when I'm here, I'm
1: on. I'm going hard. Yeah. You yep. know what I'm yep. saying? Yeah. 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 No, that's that's good. I, I just like to ask that question to guests because it's important. With people who are, you know, being called to do so much, it's like I think you, you we redefine what that looks like yeah you know just what the same way we re- reinvent ourselves we may be coming into new levels of our paths and careers you got to redefine what you need yeah in man. different spaces so definitely that's good brother um man you got anything that you want to wrap up with i mean
0: um i guess for you like what was yeah. it like teaching k through 12 bro because i know it's bro. it's like i because i've i taught uh, fifth graders for like four weeks there you, you go Nesby. yeah and I was just I you, one I, grade I, I did not knowing oh, by the way oh Nesby in Brooklyn so I feel you like I only had them for four in weeks in Brooklyn I like, these are my kids. I did I did mine in you know, fifth I did mine in Oakland all black kids too Yo. I was in Oakland with mine. Yeah. Yo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was so it's crazy. So oh, some man. of the stuff you're saying I'm like man if I had the if I had them for a whole square like the attachment would have been crazy. It was crazy. Like like I said, it was just one grade, so for you, yeah, you man. had this wide yeah. variety, you know what I'm saying? So Yeah,
2: more or less. So, like, I, I, I have the benefit of, like, as a school board president, like, being able to influence policy on, like, those multiple grades, yeah. but for me, I only taught one grade for all the oh, five okay. years that I was in the classroom, yeah. but that one grade i wanted nothing to do with at first right (laughs) so like when i came into it i wanted to be like my mama i wanted to teach government i wanted to teach history i wanted to teach high school dead poet society up on the table all that nonsense um and i quickly realized that nah i'm good on that and Mm. one of my mentors was like well have you considered um have you considered like elementary and i was like no not really i'm not trying to like you know wipe anybody's nose clean up throw up yeah Took a chance on it, taught second grade, loved every minute of it, can't wait to get back. The reason that I love second grade is that the amount of growth that happens in that grade band alone, like, we get kids coming in as, like, six-year-olds, right, and they live at eight. When you come into second grade, you can't, most kids can write maybe one or two sentences, and you leave being able to, like, write three to five paragraph essays with opinions and stuff, you know? And so that ramp up is just intense, and, like... That's what I like. I like yeah. the intensity of the ramp up. Yeah. And I think that like specifically for um like seven and eight year olds, they're at that age where everything is still magic, yeah. right? Before yeah. they get cell phones, before they end up in third grade, fifth grade, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they really feel like what the world is. Yeah, I feel like if you can have an influence on a kid's like worldview at that point, yep. it's a really powerful thing yeah. if done positively, you yeah. know?
0: So that's what kept me coming back wow yeah man so all right another question yeah yeah shoot um i always think about this as like man i wonder what school would be like if i was in school today yeah you know what i mean so (laughs) like i guess what are their what are the um comparisons similarities you know what i mean
2: it's different right and like here's the thing uh, yeah I, I you look like a young cat i'm assuming that you were in school in some capacity in the 90s right maybe 80s yeah something yeah. like that um everybody had like a profession that they wanted to be right oh i want to be a firefighter i want to be a football player i want to mm-hmm. be da. doctor lawyer everybody wants to be an influencer now yeah everybody wants to be a tick tocker everybody wants to be a youtuber that's a huge problem and i feel like the creativity in this generation has taken a far plummet right yeah like i told y'all at the beginning like i was a little artist i love drawing all that kind of stuff all of my friends did too everybody was like because you had to make it up mm-hmm. right you had to go out and figure out like oh i'm gonna use my imagination because we have cell phones and tablets and all these things and screen yeah. time x y and z we take the opportunity to develop imagination and creativity away from children Mm. in exchange for stimulus right Mm -hmm. and the problem with that is that we cannot all be salesmen we cannot all be influencers and if we only have folks that are interested in marketing going into higher education in the workforce Mm. it's going to be oversaturated and we're going to have a really disengaged generation which is what i'm terrified of yeah because no one's going to want the real skill set As opposed to being the person who's selling the object, you know? So that's scary. That's the biggest difference, I'd say. Yeah, i just say that
0: because, like, I couldn't even imagine having a phone. Like, like, in, like, fifth grade, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like, I had to wait till, like, high school, and at that, it was, like, a flip phone. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, like... Well, technology wasn't as advanced, obviously. So Bro, can yeah, I share just, like,
2: one little detail with you? You yeah. know them, like, flash drives that you used to get to, like, yeah. put your papers mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. on? Mm-hmm. Man, guess how much storage my first flash drive had, and I thought that I was a king of the world. 32 megabytes. Oh my God. And that was like a $40 <laughs> flash drive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and now kids Damn. are walking around with tablets that got, you know, terabytes and stuff. Yeah, in you know, it's they crazy. Don't, they don't need quick. all
1: that, man. Man, what like, you someone, doing with that? Hey, someone yeah. got to say, they don't need all that stuff. I'm all for the, the, uh, the advancement of technology. Yes. You know, I got a theory <laughs> yes. about it, technology advancement. I do think it, it's kind of devolving us, yes. As much as yeah. people think it's evolving us, yeah that's a whole other podcast. Man. But yo, yeah, yo. y'all started something. I just wanted to touch guy. on that, guy. You know, great yeah, questions. Yeah. Yeah, I had to. Great questions. Um, man. Yeah, Brandon, man, we we just appreciate you for being here first and foremost. Thank you um, for the invitation, take, taking the time. Um, you definitely have been sharing a lot of valuable um, information and just you know wisdom, you know, from your experiences. Um, but before we get you out of here, yeah, <clears throat> definitely want to uh ask, uh yes. what 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 excites you for the future? Um yeah. whether near long term, um like what are some things that when you when you just look out, when you gaze out, what is it, what is it? What excites you?
2: I want to be really thoughtful about this. So give me give me just a second. You no problem. Future's bright. It's bright, man. There's so on. many ways that we <laughs> can go. What excites me about the future is how particularly like Gen Z is just like through with it. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like, I say that in the same tongue as saying, like, oh, everybody wants to be influencers, da 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 da. But really engaging with kids who are in their teens right now and the conversations and the emotional empathy and intelligence that they possess. Mm is light years above where I was at that age. I was still very much Mm -hmm. so a child, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you think, and I used to tell this to folks all the time, like when I started teaching, all of my kids were eight. The only president they had ever known was a black man. Mm -hmm. Like there's just so much context. I don't care where you're from. That builds really strong context to see what people could and could not be. I think seeing that swing to the presidency that we had previously has really forced uh so many kids in so many places not to mention the pandemic the financial crisis all this that and the other has really forced them to develop an emotional intelligence that is well beyond their years right Mm. and so what excites me and what gives me hope for the future is that like those are eventually when the boomers decide that like yo i've had enough right Mm -hmm. I'm really excited for Gen Z, even more so than millennials. Speaking as a proud millennial, I just learned that I'm like chuggy like a year ago. I don't know (laughs) if y'all have heard that word. (laughs) I'm more excited for like millennials to just kind of get out the way too because like the young kids, the Gen Z kids that are running in a lot of places across the country, they're bringing the fire in a really significant way that's really exciting right and it yeah a lot of it is like far left and i'm down with it you know what i'm saying but it's like the fact that they're having those conversations and they have the courage to do that yeah and regardless of where you're growing up almost all children under the age of 24 except the climate change is a thing Mm. right Mm. almost all you know children under the age of 24 except that like this country is built on really oppressive like systems that you know hold black and brown people down
1: right very very transparent
2: very transparent and we'll be quick to hold you accountable right so i think that there's somewhere in the middle between like cancel culture and like comfort culture yeah right i think in many ways we've swung far past and now we're coming back to the middle but i'm not one to like really you know Try to like you know put cancel culture down right because that's oppression of freedom of speech at its finest yeah you know what I'm saying and so like we need to be holding each other accountable that's
1: what I get from it I you know they call it cancel culture right a lot of times it's accountability and when you're being accountable then you got to be intentional about what you're being accountable about you can't just cancel people like be specific about why you're trying to hold someone accountable because Mm -hmm. a lot of times if uh, accountability means you care right if you care you're gonna have Specifics on why you want to hold someone accountable, mm-hmm. yeah. not just cancel them because you hate their song and in their song they said something. That's it. Or yeah. you know, what I mean? or they tweeted something in two thousand nine, and now you're like, I don't know. That's you know, it. That's, that's how it. that's how it is nowadays. But um, okay, yeah, no, it's exciting stuff. Yeah, I, I like I like how you I like how you um, describe that. Okay, last question for you, brother. Before we get you out of here, let's, get, you, it, let's, get, it, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. We ask every guest this question. Yeah. So if you can, what's one word to describe what keeps you on the up and up, and why?
2: Inspiration inspiration i i I do a lot of like self-reflecting and like you know trying to really i i really want to do the work of like i am i I can't even get the words out like i care a lot about how i show up for other people Mm -hmm. um and i found that like when i am inspired i show up for people like as the best version of myself Mm. and so that's what i like and the way that I become inspired is I try to stay well well read. I try to stay knowledgeable. I try to stay up as much as I can, mm-hmm. and like finding new ways to innovate, new connections to make. That's what keeps me inspired, and mm-hmm. that's what helps me show up as much as I can, mm-hmm. as much as I do for my community. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, <laughs> specifically on the up and up, yeah, inspiration mm-hmm. is the is a word for me. I love it. Yeah, man. I love it. That's a yeah. great word.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of inspiration, um, if you've listened, watched or whatever, consumed this episode and you're not inspired, you're tripping. Hey. Run it back. <laughs> Run it back Come for on, sure. Uh, but Brandon, man, again, we want to thank you uh, for being for being much here. Love. We wish you much success moving forward with everything you got going on, everything you're going to do. This will not be the last time we connect because we've oh, got yeah. some things we could definitely connect on. Yes, sir. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, man, you got, success, you got support with us here at the Up and Up always. And with that being said, it's safe to say, Brandon Hersey is officially a member of the Up and Up. Hey, on, yeah. I graduated. I mean, Come on. on. Let's go. Appreciate you, brother. Amen. Thank you so much, you bro. Appreciate y'all, bro. Seriously, Thank seriously. You. Thank Three you, bro. Man. Yo, what up? It's Rubino. And this is DJ Earn. We hope you enjoyed that episode and that now you have a better
0: understanding of what it means to live life on the Up and Up. To continue supporting the podcast and the entire Up and Up movement, be sure to rate, review, like, and subscribe.
1: As well as follow us at underscore the Up and Up on all social media platforms to stay connected with everything the Up and Up has coming your way.
0: Thanks for listening, and until the next one,
1: keep it on the Up and
0: Up.